Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gore and Guilty podcast. I'm Greg. And I'm Georgia. And as always, we are talking true crime and the paranormal to keep you guys entertained as best as we can. Uh, But before we jump into all of the gory and guilty business, Georgia, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you, Greg. I've got my last day at work in two days, so... I'm free. <laughs> no, it's been it's been good, but it's been a very busy, busy week, which is why we, unfortunately, posting this a little bit late. So sorry about that, guys. Um, but as you know, also the Euros happened. Although I don't know if we want to speak about that at all, to be honest. <laughs> pain. The pain is real. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a good game. Good atmosphere. Um, but yeah. Sad times. <laughs> no, it's good. But um, but yes, yeah, so it's been quite a busy week this week. Um, so I hope you guys forgive us. But yeah. How are you doing though? Yeah, I'm doing great. I've got a nice lemon gin that I'm enjoying my, oh, myself lovely. right now. Can't complain. Um, and aside from that, yeah, I don't have to go through all the faff of changing job right now. But I can remember, uh, or leaving a job, but I can remember what that looks like. And that it's not the most fun task in the world. No. <laughs> it's those weird mixed emotions as well. Because I've known that I'm going to be leaving for some time now. So I've processed all of that. I'm quite excited about where I'm going next and my next steps. But I'm really sad about leaving a few people at work. But I'm hoping to stay in touch with them and, and that it will all be fine. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those weird mixed emotion things, isn't it? Yeah, bittersweet. Bittersweet, that's it. We posted a question, I was going to say like normal, but we seem to forget loads, so (laughs) (laughs) we posted a question like when we remember, and the question, so we're actually kind of behind, we're almost like seeing into the future right now because uh, we're like a, uh, a week behind posting episodes that match that week's question if that made any sense whatsoever possibly no yes yeah. but the main thing is that the question for this week's episode is what should we call gore and guilty listeners yes this is such a good question i was so excited to see what you guys thought we had what you came up with we had some great suggestions and i think that we should try and take maybe the best few and put it to uh, a poll on Instagram. Let's get the, yes. the people say. Great idea. Yeah, we'll throw it right back at you. I'll, I'll read out some of the good ones now for you, though, Georgia, if you want. Yes. So we've got some including the not guilty, the gory, the guilty kids, uh, the guilty nice. on the block. Um, oh yeah. My personal favourite, which is serial chillers. I'm a big fan of that. That's one. cool. Um, that's a really good one Gorified, the glisteners uh, someone <laughs> had uh, Chris oh, has yeah. the good suggestion that it is GG's um, because yeah, GG's. then original fans or people that have been with us since near the beginning can be OGG's later down the line <laughs> oh, yeah. which I really like so yeah so many really good suggestions there there's some Really good suggestions there. Some really creative ones as well. That's going to be a hard choice. But yeah, we'll pick a couple and we'll put it on our stories coming up. Once this episode releases, we'll leave it a couple days and then we'll put it up. So 
stay tuned for that. And then, yeah, that's that's ah. Uh, for me, it's a, well done, guys. It's a real toss up between serial chillers and OGGs or GGs because they can be Ogs, Ogs for sure. Ogs. <laughs> so that's like rip off boots, doesn't it? Rip off boots. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Ogs. Got me Og boots. Oh gosh, Ogs. I like that. GGs. <laughs> yeah. The gorif- I'm a gorified. Love it. Gorif- oh, there's just yeah, there's loads of good ones. We'll have to we'll have to really uh it's gonna be a struggle to decide which ones to to go with. Uh even for just yeah. the poll. I know. I know. Well thank you very much for sending those in. I've like loved listening to those. What have you got in store for us today, Georgia? Because I hope it's your episode because I haven't prepared one. Yes, yes. So I'm going to be doing a case. It's quite a sad one. Well, so I'm going to be doing a case that isn't very well known. And it's one from Herefordshire, which, as you know, by now is where I'm from. But it is quite... Unfortunately, there is a child that dies in it, which I know that we were going to try and avoid those for a while, but... We're going straight back to it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's an interesting one because I've got the areas where this person was roaming. I know quite well. Mm. So all the like the little places, it's it's very familiar where, you know, where he was brought up and it, which is, I've got, it's quite an eerie, eerie tone to it if that makes sense. Can you kind of like picture it when you're... When you... Yes, exactly. I, Which is really, really weird. Um, yeah, it's. It, it, I find it very spooky because I know exactly where they're talking about. But um, it's a case of the paper boy, Stuart Goff, who unfortunately dies. And the killer is named Victor Miller. So... Shall I begin? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Jump on in. I'm going to take you to the 17th of January, 1988. 14-year-old Stuart Goff was set to perform two paper rounds in his village, Hagley, in Worcestershire, England. The round comprised of 14 houses and was all within a few yards of the newsagents, which is where he set off from. He collected his papers in the morning and set off on his first paper round, but unfortunately, he never returned for the second. So with the, the it was just the first paper round that was 14 houses, was it? Yes, yeah. So it was only 14 houses on the first paper round, and then he would go back to the newsagents, collect the new papers and go off on the second one. But he never came back for the second journey. Which is really sad. And it also, it seems like it was very quick and sudden. Because I don't think it would have taken him that long no. to have walked, walked around. Mm-mm. So I'm going to rewind back now to 1956, which is the year that Victor Miller was born. Now, there's not too much information on the childhood Miller experienced. However, it does say that he came from a broken home. 
He spent from the ages 8 to 16 at Bodnam Manor School for young boys who are seriously emotionally disturbed. So, like Bodnam, I can picture that, which is really strange. And this is... For him being at this school is how he became so familiar with the area because he spent a lot of time out in nature, a lot of time around these these this area. So... And that comes into play as he gets older. And that's a that's a school, is it? Bon- Bodham School? Yes, Bodham Manor School. So it's a young boys school, um and he would have boarded there. So it, and they as it's it says it's a school for seriously emotionally disturbed boys. So he come from he did come from a very broken background, but there isn't too much detail on that. I think I remember hearing about schools like that where if you can't fit in within mainstream school, that's where they, or you're too troublesome. Yes, yeah. Um, I, and it must, you know, it must have been difficult for him, for sure. In 1988, Miller, who was 32 at the time, had been living with his boyfriend, Trevor Peacher, for two years in Penfields, Wolverhampton. Peacher, who was 46 years old, was a convicted sex offender for attacks against young boys. So, nice little power couple going on there. So this is his partner. I can't... I don't even want to know what the conversations were like at their dinner time. So, he's a convicted sex offender against young boys. His partner, Trevor Peacher, and then there's Victor Miller, who... He was on to kill. As I'm going to tell you, is also an awful human, so... Was, was Victor Miller a human? Uh, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, well, I presume so. he was a human. Was, was Victor Miller um, an adult when they were in a yes. partnership together? Yes, so he was 32, and he'd been living with, with Trevor for two years, who was 46. Got you, okay. In January of that year, Miller and Peacher got into a serious argument. And in a fit of anger and rage, Miller went out on the search for a victim in his familiar territory of Herefordshire. So they got into a fight. They got into like an argument. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go and find a victim. Yeah, going to go out and do my thing, which it's awful. Awful. 18-year-old Richard Holden was cycling along the back roads of country lanes of Wellington Village when he unfortunately met Miller. Miller was quite a short and stocky guy when compared to the strong six-foot male Richard Holden was. So there was no no competing. This was one of Mm. Miller's biggest mistakes. In the abduction attempt, Miller came at Holden welding a knife and held it to his throat. He partially stripped in because Holden kicked him so hard in the groin that he managed to escape. So Miller attacks Holden. Yes. With a shanker, a knife. Yeah. But Holden is like bigger, younger. Stronger. And hits him so hard in the groin that he manages to escape. But did you say something about, like, Holden? So he was, as he was 
Yeah, so he as he was welding the knife to his throat, he was also trying to partially strip him or like undress him. Oh, uh, okay. Whilst he was doing this, Holden kicked him so hard that he dropped that and he managed to get away from him. And Holden reported his attack to the police and gave a great description of Miller, as well as the vehicle he was driving, which was a silver Colt Sapporo. Sapporo. How do you say that? Sapporo. 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 (laughs) Sapporo. I couldn't say that. Um, As well as the vehicle he was driving, which was a silver Colt Sapporo. Oh, I'm leaving this in. Oh no! <laughs> you get to see see the truth of how I am. <laughs> well, it's it's rare it's rare we uh, it's rare that we can leave in a mispronunciation and not offend anyone. Yeah, <laughs> Sapporo. Oh gosh, see behind the the velvet curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so this a- attempt would have frustrated Miller so much. And next, Miller decided to travel to Worcester Village in Hagley. The news of the abduction was everywhere. So he's not hanging about then? No, no. So straight away after this, he's gone to Hagley. The news of this attempted abduction was everywhere already. A young paper boy, Anthony Dingley, was out on his paper round when he noticed a vehicle circling him. Not once, not twice, but four times. This made, this made Dingley suspicious. The car spinning around him four times? Yeah, so Miller, in his car, circled Anthony Dingley four times whilst he was out on his paper, paper round, which then made Dingley very suspicious. I can see why. That would be very suspicious. That would be... Really weird. Very weird things to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The car then pulled up to Dingley and asked him for directions to Birmingham. Dingley fled away from him and this meant he managed to escape the clutches of Miller. So, again, very, very lucky escape. You don't want to really come across this guy... And thank goodness he used, you know, he was suspicious, used his instincts and ran away from this man. Mr. and Mrs. Higgins, who ran the news agents, informed the police of the second attempt where Dingley gave the description of the man and the vehicle. Although he said it was a silver Datsun Sunny car. So, which is not quite the right make and model. However, it was the right colour. But with the description of the man as well, it was okay to try and... The police were able to piece together the two attempted abductions. So he's not hanging about. A few hours later, a woman was accosted in a local park whilst walking her dog. And sure enough, she was able to give the same description of the man, which was Miller. So it just seems like he's going off in a a bit of a frenzy, a a manic kind of, no rhyme or reason. He's going for an 18-year-old man, a 14, you know, 18-year-old man, a young boy who is 
doing his paper round, and then a female in the local park walking her dog. This all so, came. This all came from an argument he had with his. Yes, exactly. Boyfriend, right? Yes, with his boyfriend. So. Mm. Seems very, yeah, scrambled. The following day, Goff disappeared. The following day, Goff disappeared, which Stuart Goff was the boy from the start of the story, the start of the case. So the paper boy, Anthony Dingley, worked alongside Richard Goff, so they were both paper boys at the same news agents. And, Miss, and the Higgins reported that Goff never returned for his second paper round. And with what happened the previous day with a, with a suspicious man, you can understand why they were quite on high alert. Absolutely. They, I'm surprised that he was allowed to just crack on with his paper round like normal. I know. But, I sp- yeah, I suppose the day before, all, all they had on him... Oh, I don't know, actually. They had a... Yeah, there was an attempted abduction. And obviously with the female accosted. And then... But all he did to Dingley was ask for directions to Birmingham and act suspicious. And then the information of the previous... Oh, actually, no, it was. It's a, Yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. I suppose those papers have to go out. <laughs> Yeah, you can't keep the British public from their papers. <laughs> exactly. So, no, sir. <laughs> so this actually became one of the largest searches West Mercia police have ever undertaken. It became nation. It became a nationwide case, which makes me surprised that it isn't as well known, really. I think it's it's kind of comes back to that surprising fact from the Claudia Lawrence case and there's thousands of people that go missing a year. You'd like to think you know about everyone, wouldn't you? But yeah, it's scarily commonplace. It really, really is. Over 150 police officers, 80 of which were detectives, 30 dog handlers, divers, mounted police officers and 600 volunteers. They also had aircrafts with thermal imaging. Nothing was spared. They really, really did do well on gathering the resources and trying to do it as quickly as possible. And remember, this is in 1988 as well. So that is, that's impressive in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, I am impressed. Unfortunately... It wasn't until two weeks later that they found the body of Stuart Goff. He unfortunately died at the hands of Miller. The police took Miller to Hereford Police Station as they had information on a vehicle that he was driving related to the abduction of Holden. And the tyre tracks that were left at the scene matched Miller's vehicle. So not only the description, but also physical evidence of the tyre tracks were seen that could piece the two together. Chief Inspector Eamon Croft recalled, quote, He was not an arrogant monster. We were dealing with an articulate, intelligent man 
with many character complexities. He approached the interview with a determination to not confess, giving lengthy replies to the most routine questions. That's like Ted Bundy, just... Yes, yeah, isn't it? It's the sound of his own voice. It's that calm, collected, careful his thoughts, the intelligence, which the way he's performing these crimes, I wouldn't have put that with how he's approaching the police, in my eye. I think one's quite a scrambled, erratic kind of behaviour, and then when he's going in front of the police, it's all calm, collected, no arrogance, smooth talker. What what does uh, Victor Miller look like, then? It's one of those things that if you... If he came over to you, Mm. you probably won't... I don't know, you wouldn't... You wouldn't think this man's a killer. You wouldn't think that this man's a killer in the way that... You wouldn't think that he's a paedophile and also a killer, a murderer. So Mm. if he has asked you... I just want to send the photo because... If if he asked you for directions, you'd probably go, yeah, sure, I'll help you. Which is pretty scary. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about this guy before. Yes, yes. So, but yeah, he's just got one of those kind of friendly faces, which again, Ted Bundy, that kind of like charm about him. Which yeah, is... you're right. This isn't a bad looking guy. But yeah, I think um, there's a... So Miller is in the police station. He is now being questioned by the police. And when evidence began to build up on the Goff case, Miller began to crumble. The police arrested both Miller and Peacher for the abduction of Goff. However, police police decided that Peacher was not involved, although he was charged with three years for providing a false alibi. Why? Who's that, sorry? His boyfriend. Yeah. So his boyfriend came forward, gave a false alibi to the police. And now he's got charged for three years in prison for that. And I believe on this uh, Crime Watch interview, Trevor is there saying that Miller's innocent and all of this kind of stuff, which isn't isn't true. But yeah, there should be on YouTube. It's, it's worth a watch. There's a few videos of this case. Yeah, I love a crime watch. I'll check that out. Mm. Miller confessed to it all and showed the police the following day where the body was, which is how they found him. He was found in a wooded area in Herefordshire. Now, trigger warning. Goff was partially dressed and had been sexually assaulted. He was strangled and bludgeoned to death by a rock before being hidden under a pile of leaves. This was situated 50 miles from Hagley, in the country lane of Bromsborough Close, near uh, Bromsborough, close to the M50. And it was said that when Miller decided to take the police to Goff's body, that Miller actually refused to go down the lane in which it was, which he lay. So he took him to the lane and said he's just down there, and he didn't go any further, which is interesting. It's just quite, yeah, it's very, very brutal, brutal case. Um, So Miller once said that he would prey on paper boys as they were vulnerable and 
isolated on their own and, and usually young. Miller then wrote a letter to the Hereford Court explaining that he was guilty, regretful and pleased for the justice. Which, a bit little too late. Yeah, I was going to say, you could just not kill children. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, if you feel like that way, then, yeah, a letter's not going to do that. Justice, just yeah, don't do it in the first place. Birmingham Crown Court... He was taken to Birmingham Crown Court on the 4th of November 1988. So quite a quick turnaround, seeing as the argument that Peter and Miller had was in January 1988. So the same year. He pled guilty Mm. of murder, abduction and various assaults. The police believe that he may have carried out a further 28 sexual assaults. Wow, And, and were they reported? There's not too much information on those. They just think it's suspected, but they don't have any evidence. But he was described as very dangerous and should never be released. He was given a whole life order delivered by the Home Secretary, informing him that he would die in prison. However, a few years later, the European Court of Human Rights declared that the set tariffs on adult murderers isn't wouldn't be legal under the Human Rights Act. So he was given a life imprisonment of 25 years and then every five years after the 25 years it would be reviewed to see whether he was safe to be released or not and then that would continue then each five years as we go along. Miller apologised to the family and has unusually requested that he is to never be released from prison. So he said, do not release me from prison, which is quite an unusual statement to say. Mm, Yeah, that is weird. So he asked to never be released. The trial judge have spoken to say that they're unsure if he is safe to be released. And among a handful in the UK... He will never be free and will die in prison. So, basically, he's staying there for good. How old is he now? And I believe he is 65 now. So, yeah, he will stay behind bars. He will not be freed. But that is the case of Victor Miller, which is a very unsettling one. It's interesting that he's not going to be, like, from the get-go, he wasn't going to be released uh, even though Colin Pitchfork, yeah. who we did the other week, killed two. Yes, young exactly. Children it makes you wonder, doesn't it? And could be released. Yeah, it does make me wonder. And have you seen that there was a lot of back and forth recently in the news? It was only, I think, this morning that I saw on the news that Colin Pitchfork is going to be released. There were a lot of people debating on it after it was announced that he was going to be released. There was a lot of back and forth and controversial comments on it and like. They have now said that they agreed that he would be released. That's what we said. That's what we came. That's the decision we made. So he will be for sure released this year. Wow! Yeah, scenes. I imagine people won't be very happy about that. No, no. But it is interesting how one. Yeah. They're they're similar in some ways. I think. 
and yeah different results but there is one interesting story and I hope that I do it justice because my dad told me this one a little while ago but when we lived when we, well when we were living in Hereford my um, my dad actually went to Wellington pub which is where on the back roads of Wellington village is where Holden was attacked and he was visiting a friend there and they went to the pub together and his friend had just bought a Ford Escort vehicle car which is actually from the same time period as when the boys went missing or when they were when they went when they were attempted to be abducted so this was parked outside the pub and this he was sat in there with his mate having a pint and this police officer came in so this this lady she was dressed in obviously full police uniform and walked into the pub and said whose Ford Escort is parked outside and my dad and my dad's friend like looked at each other going oh gosh what have we done like what's that you know is that car because they only bought it that morning well he his friend had only bought it that morning so it was probably like oh god what's what's that car like what trouble am I going to be in and so they, you know, put the hand out, oh yeah, it's ours. And the police officer walked over to him, to, the, to them both, and went, don't worry, I'm not actually a police officer. And they're like, okay. She said, we're actually recording Crime Watch outside the pub right now, and your vehicle is from the same time period as we're filming. Would you mind, like, parking it so it's in shot whilst we do this little reenactment? So me and my brother were like little kids, and my dad... I told my mum, oh, don't worry, I'll be back by 11 or so. He comes strolling in at one o'clock, telling them the story of how he was watching this crime watch reenactment. And my mum was there like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but so, so interesting. And so there was two little boys in this reenactment cycling on their like their little bikes. And I actually know the two guys as well. So it's such a weird thing to have like stumbled across that was definitely not what my dad thought he was going to get himself into when he went to the pub that night maybe that's when you got into true crime when you were part of that recreation yeah yeah the two the two boys um they were like a few years older than me and I yeah I couldn't believe it they were I remember chatting to them about it and they said oh it's yeah so much fun but I didn't know what I was doing like I didn't know what it was all yeah. for I was just told to ride my bike down the village <laughs> But, um, yeah, I can't believe that he managed to stumble across Crime Watch reenactment. Mm. But, yeah, that was around around the time of, of this, obviously. And it was this case that they were doing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's not very well known, but... We like the rare yeah, ones. It's a, all good. Yes, it's, it's always good to give them coverage as well. Awesome. Sure. Well, thanks for sharing that case, Georgia. You're more than welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that one. Or enjoyed, probably not the best word, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, it's a good point. I don't yes. really know how we do describe it. No, it's always the awkward one, isn't it? Like, I've got an exciting case, or... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But yes, no, I'm glad. Glad, thank you. So... Should I run through the social media? Yeah, I was just going to say, do you want to do that? Then people can answer the questions uh, directly. Yes, yes, exactly. So, 
send in your stories. We hope to do a listener's story very soon. Listener's episode very soon. Um, send them to goringguiltypodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on our Instagram, Goring Guilty Podcast, which, once this episode is released, in a couple of days' time, we will be putting up a poll to see what you guys want to be named. What what shall we call our listeners? So stay tuned for that. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled, guys, because we need your votes. We do, we need your votes. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed and hope you keep listening. And remember, we won't judge it. Gore is your guilty pleasure. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.